Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode two of our walk through James. This episode is going to be entitled Learning from Our Mistakes, or better still, Learning How to Not Make Mistakes. Uh, we all do make mistakes because we're all human. Not making a mistake or never making a mistake is going to be literally impossible for anyone. But in James verse 2, we're going to be looking at a couple of ways of looking at different issues uh, and how to deal with the issues when they come up. And I will give you some examples from my own life, or at least an example. And it's a pretty recent one too, so just so everyone else has an understanding that I am human and I make mistakes too. Every one of us does. Let's go ahead and get started. Father, we thank you for this time that we have. Lord, we thank you for your word once again this week. Lord, we know that apart from you, we would not have the ability to walk free from mistakes and free from temptation. Lord, we know that we wouldn't have victory over temptation, but you have given us your spirit and you have given us your will. So we thank you for this and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so last week we went over verse one in James chapter two. This week we're going to go over verse 2, and we're going to start moving into verse 3. I'm going to try to keep most of these episodes to around 30 minutes or less, as I know we all have busy lives. But, you know, life happens, and there we are. So let's dive in. Now, we've all had them. You know, bad days. You feel like you're surrounded by bad, the car breaks down, your job wants you to work late, you drop your cell phone and destroy the screen. You only had that new phone for a week and now it's broken. You forgot your lunch at home and the list just keeps going on for miles. I have a story to share with you about this very kind of thing. And this story came with some consequences, but it also came with a valuable lesson learned. And we'll get to that. But for now, let's start in James chapter 1 verse 2. And we're reading again from the New King James Version. And it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, that's the opposite of what we want to hear, typically. Because, let's face it, when bad days start out bad, nobody actually wants to count anything joy. Our automatic response is, Everything is bad, I hate this, this day is terrible, I just want to go back to bed and wake up tomorrow and have all this be over. <laughs> now, it, it is important to actually break this, this verse down and get an understanding of what's going on here. All right, The word count is the Greek word hegemai. It means to take command of and lead or consider something to be a certain way. This is talking about our thought life. It's not some ethereous, nebulous idea of just considering something to be what it is not. Okay, This is making, making an active change in your thinking. We are being commanded to actively take our thoughts captive about something that's bad and consider the situation to be one of joy. The verse goes on to say, when you fall into various temptations... The word fall is the Greek word peripipto. It means to fall into and be completely surrounded by something. 
meaning there's no way out. And this verse is talking about trials. In the King James, it reads temptation. The Greek word is parasimos. It means a putting to proof, typically through adversity. And normally, that adversity is some form of temptation. Think about this for a moment. Most of the time you are in adversity, you are tempted to respond in the flesh. This can lead not to just poor choices, but poor responses as well. I can attest to this. This can damage your witness. And deeper still, it can cause a breach in your relationship with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't some kind of separated from God by sin thing where you are now cast out from his presence and everything is bad and there's no way back without doing some sort of religious ceremony or ritual or prayer or church attendance. This is just meaning that kind of like if you were to hurt somebody in a relationship, there's a breach. Okay. It has nothing to do with being permanently separated or losing your salvation. So let's not get into that. But it does mean that you are not walking with Jesus. In other words, Jesus is going one direction and you've chosen to go a different direction. Okay, and that is a breach in the relationship. You can't relate with somebody that you're not walking with. Romans 8, verse 1, again in the New King James Version. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, as long as you are in Christ, you are in the Spirit. And as long as you are in the Spirit, there is no condemnation. So what happens when you are not in the Spirit? Well, then you're in the flesh. This leads to plenty of condemnation, not from Jesus, but from yourself and from those around you who see your actions. See, being in Christ is a choice. Being in flesh is a choice. Or I should say, reacting in your flesh is a choice. Counting it all joy when you fall into various uh, tribulations and you're surrounded by them is a choice. James is giving us a command to make a choice to walk in the Spirit. Because you can count it all as hardship and misery, if you want. You can tell everyone that everything is bad and life stinks, if you really feel that way. And you can complain about what is happening and make the complaining the focus. How is that any different from the world system that already does just that? See, most people, without Jesus, are trusting in themselves to get things done. They are filled with despair, oftentimes, because they cannot see good when it's coming. They just can't see anything good coming, <laughs> let's be honest, because everything is dependent on them. So if they don't do the work, if they don't do the actions, if they aren't taking control and command of their lives, then bad things happen and everything is on them. And we can be just like them. If we turn to Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8, and once again in the New King James Version, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. 
So who are we trusting in when these trials hit? If we're doing the first part, verses 5 through 6, we're not walking in Christ or in the Spirit. We're walking according to the flesh, and we're walking according to the world system. Everything's dependent on us. Everything we do must be done by us. Now again, this doesn't affect our salvation, but it does affect our maturity. However, if we're doing verses 7 through 8, and we're walking in the Spirit, our maturity will benefit from it, and those watching us will also benefit from it. And you ask yourself, well, how would somebody else benefit from watching this? Because they'll see something different in how you respond. They'll see something different about your actions and your attitude and your heart. And then they're going to become curious and want to know, well, okay, so-and-so just ripped you off for X thousands of dollars. Or you just got your car totaled and you're not freaking out. Or you just realized you need surgery and you're not having a panic attack. Why is that? You're weird. But you know where your hope rests. You know where your trust is. And you know that God's got your back. So your response can be different, and it'll cause change, both in your life and the lives of people who are watching you. This past weekend, I went out to eat with my wife and a friend. The place we ate at was having some credit card reader issues, and the card acted weird, it declined it two times, and then the third time it went through. I didn't bat an eyelash at it because this sort of thing actually happens at my own job, then you have to enter it in manually, and everything's good after that, right? So, I didn't think anything more of it. We go, we eat, and go on about our day. A couple hours later, I check my bank account, because there was some shopping that needed to be done, and I needed to make sure I was staying within my budget. And there it was. Not one charge, not two charge, but three charges for the same amount for the food that we had eaten. Now, two of the charges show that they had posted, and one of the charges was still pending. So I took my receipt, and I went back to this place, and I showed it to the guy in charge. And technically, he was a shift manager, so he wasn't running the show. The gentleman behind the counter said that that was weird, and he had never seen anything like that happen before. And then he just followed up immediately with, there was nothing he could do about it, and the system was only going to show one charge. He hadn't even looked at the system. He didn't look at the computer screen, he just looked at the receipt, looked at my bank statement, and said, not my problem, I can't do anything, basically. He, so he had just started with a definitive statement of, I've never seen that, and then he says, it's definitely going to show only one charge. And then said, I would need to go dispute it with my bank. This was not the outcome I was expecting, and I, I will admit, I was getting a little annoyed. Uh, he gave me the store number to call back if I needed further assistance. And this was cool as far as I was concerned, because at least it seemed like he was willing to help me with the issue. It stopped being cool when he stopped me on my way out the door and offered me a free bowl of food, if the bank gave me any problems. In my heart, in my mind, this came across as, I'm not going to help you beyond this. So, I've disputed charges with banks before, and I know that Oftentimes, they can resolve the issue. But if they couldn't resolve the issue this time, I was out $90 for food I never even got to eat. So to say that I was a little upset was an understatement. So at that point, 
I was livid. Can you guess what I had just done in my heart? I had, in that moment, stepped outside of Christ, and I began to walk in the flesh. Thankfully, I had the maturity to not yell at this guy. I let it go for a moment and decided I would do what he said and dispute the charges with my bank. I also got on Twitter and sent a private message to corporate to see to reach out to somebody there and see if something could be done. Now, mind you, I also had the maturity to not fly off in a rage on Twitter and start screaming at people there either because it's not their fault and there's only just so much they can do. But I was still not in a good mood. I was seething on the inside. I had, in that moment, also formed a judgment in my heart against this guy in the uh, store because he was basically saying, this really isn't anything I'm going to help you with, but here's a free bowl of food for your troubles. I'm sorry, but technically I paid for six bowls of food, (laughs) which, you know, I can laugh about it now, but at that moment I wasn't laughing and sadly nobody else was either because you could feel the anger around me. People who got in my presence knew that I was angry. So for the next four hours, I was cranky, and my wife had to put up with me being cranky. Finally, after exhausting myself from being angry, I went into my bedroom, and I laid down. And I started talking to the Lord. And basically in a nut, I know I'm not supposed to be raging on the inside. I know that this anger I feel isn't righteous. But it annoys me so badly that they took my money, and they aren't even being helpful about it, and now I'm out $90. After about 60 seconds or so of silence... The Lord said, you mean my money? Now, it was at that moment that I realized I had been viewing money incorrectly since the moment I woke up, years ago. As a concept, I knew that the job I had and the money I made was because of God. But this was the first time I had heard him say it was his money. And he was right. If I have it, it's because of him. It's his. He then promised me that he would see to his financial investments, which was humbling. Because, again, it's his money, and I'm the steward. Now I had some apologizing to do. My wife didn't deserve to put up with me being a cranky butt. And I had lost hours of time and energy being angry over something I had no business being angry over. Come Monday morning, things worked out in this case, and the extra charges came off, and things were back to normal. Now, here is the important thing. If things had not been resolved and the money never came back, I had resolved myself to accept what the Lord was going to do. And I have to learn how to better respond in these situations. As we all know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know better now. James 1-2 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Let's be honest. This is not the worst thing that could have ever happened. There are far worse things that have happened in my life. Some I responded to well, and some I did not. So why do we need to count it all joy when we are fallen into and surrounded by various trials or temptations? Verse 3 has the answer. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing, or the trying, of your faith. The trials are proving your faith or lack thereof. That word, produces, is the Greek word katergozomai, T 
taken from two Greek words, kata, meaning down, and ergazumai, meaning to work or toil. Together it means to work down to a fine point, to work fully and accomplish what was intended. It accomplishes patience, or hupomene. Hupomene means cheerful or hopeful endurance and constancy. This is situational patience. Keep in mind that we must learn from the events. If you fall into a trial or a temptation, and you don't learn anything from it, you will repeat the event over and over again. The hope here is that I have learned that, quote-unquote, my money is, in reality, God's money. Something I got as a concept in my head in the past, but now it is a reality in my heart. He had to spell it out for me, but now I get it. The hope is that my response, when something comes up with finances again, I will trust God to manage his resources. I will do my due diligence and manage the things I am responsible for. But I will trust him for the outcome and have a right attitude. That is the hope. The hope that the event has produced patience. If I had not learned anything from this event, this podcast would have been very different. If I had seen things correctly from the beginning, this podcast would have been about my success. But we all learn better from our failures than we do from our successes. One of the key things to remember here is that this is not to be a condemnation. Sometimes we mess up. And in messing up, we learn our lesson. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is the whole verse that people include in their quotes. They're cute little quotes. The catch is the end. To those who are called according to his purpose. This means that you can royally mess up in life, but if you turn around and start walking in the spirit, changing your direction and your actions, things will work out together for good. Are you learning from your trials and temptations? Either pre-trial or post-trial, God can turn things around in amazing ways. This is important because now we are getting into the meat and potatoes of this cast. Or tofu and potatoes if you're vegan. James 1, verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is written pretty close to how the Greek lays it out. Let hupomene, or situational patience, have its perfect work, that you may be perfectly complete, lacking nothing to finish the completion. So we are reckoning it all joy when we fall into various trials or temptation because the proving of our faith produces patience if you are actually learning from it. And this patience will be a perfect working in us to make us complete, lacking nothing to complete the process that was started. I would say that again, but you can backtrack on this a couple of seconds and listen to it. So... Did I learn something about my attitude and my finances? Yes, I did. Will that lesson stick with me for the rest of my life? Yes, it will. Here's the thing that is important about all of this. And this is really key to the entire issue. I talked to God. It took me longer than I should have, but I spoke to him about the issue. 
If I had done things correctly, I would have asked Jesus about what to do before I returned to the establishment in question. But I didn't. I didn't ask him until I had the wrong response. But I still asked him. I still learned about my attitude. I still learned how to look at my finances correctly. Yes, I lost several hours of my day seething in anger. Yes, I had to forgive the guy in the store in my heart and before God. Yes, my response was childish. But I engaged with Jesus to address the issue. I didn't just throw my hands up in the air and only quote the first half of Romans 8.28 and call it a day. As a result, I learned something about my money and I learned something about myself. And this works for every person and every situation. Take the time to engage with Jesus and ask him what is going on. Even if you messed up and blew up at people. Also remain humble because you will likely need to apologize to the people you went off on as well as to the people you went off around. I want to close with this. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And again, that's out of the New King James Version. We use the phrase, in Jesus, a lot in church. But do we understand what we are really saying? To be in Christ is to be walking in his presence and following his lead. This is walking in the, in the spirit and not in the flesh. How much condemnation do we experience when we step outside of Christ and walk in the flesh? See, as I said earlier, all of it comes from ourselves. Jesus never condemns us. We condemn ourselves. He will convict us, however. Our sin and walking in the flesh will kill us. And Jesus doesn't want that for us. So he, he convicts us while we are condemning ourselves. Which is why it is so important that we make it a point when we realize that we're walking in our flesh. That we stop, turn around, and run back to Jesus. Regardless of any kind of shame that we're feeling, any guilt that we're feeling, any condemnation that we're feeling. Because ultimately, he is the only one that can forgive it. We can't go to church enough to make it better. We can't pray enough to make it better. We can't do enough good deeds to make it better. The only thing that will make it better is returning to Jesus and owning up to what we did. He is always faithful to forgive. Always. He'll never turn us away. And he deeply desires our return. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that your love is exponentially greater than anything we can imagine. We thank you that even when we go astray, even when we walk off in all kinds of damage and poor choices and flesh, that you are there for us, desperately waiting for our return, because you want life for us. So Lord, as we close this podcast, we just ask that you would give us wisdom, give the, give the hearers of this podcast discernment and understanding. Lord, that what they need to know from this would be burned into their hearts, and what they don't need to remember would just be cast away and forgotten. But above all, Lord, that they would know your love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.